Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and you are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by Brian Farmer, co-founder and director of auditing and certification services, and Brittany Anderson, co-founder and director of operations for the Cannabis Conservancy, which provides sustainability certification to legal cannabis organizations that adhere to good agricultural practices, free of harmful chemical inputs, utilize waste reduction methods, are energy efficient, and conserve water. How are you guys doing this morning? We're doing really well. Thank you. Great, Tim. I, again, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you guys on. There's there's a lot to talk about. I, I don't think the the uh, idea of energy uses and, and water conservation really comes up enough uh, in the conversation of broad legalization. Uh, but before we get into the details, uh, why don't you guys tell me a little bit about, about yourself and, and how you end up founding this organization. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So the Cannabis Conservancy started. Uh, Jacob, one of our other co-founders, and I, um, we were down in Portland. And so Jacob and I did our master's together. And I'm up in BC. He was in Florida. And we had the opportunity to meet in uh, Portland. And that was just as Colorado had announced that they were going to legalize adult use cannabis. So we were talking about it. And we could really see uh, these two paths that the industry could follow, and one being, you know, the path of industrial agriculture, which is, in my opinion, a very unsustainable model. It contributes to climate change. It strips the soil of nutrients. It's draining aquifers. It's contributing to biodiversity loss. Um, and then we're also spraying poison on our crops. And so then the other path that we were talking about is this nurturing holistic model where nutrients are cycled, carbon sequestered, um, soils are rebuilt, biodiversity is enhanced. And we really wanted to encourage the cannabis industry to take that second path, a sustainable path. Um, so what we decided to do is we wanted to help um, the industry move in that direction. So we started to develop our sustainability standards. We drew from national and international standards and certification bodies such as ISO, IFOM, ICL, UAA Organics, uh, Canadian Organic Standards. And then we also included criteria for resource consumption such as energy and water, uh, waste reduction, so taking some principles from um, the philosophy of zero waste. And then Brian and Jonathan joined um, the Cannabis Conservancy as co-founders. And then with their input, we incorporated a lot of quality management um, into the into the standards as well. And so that was sort of version um, one, and now we're up to version three. And how about you, Brian? You know, how'd you end up linking up uh, with the organization? Well, I... Uh... I linked up uh, through meeting uh, Jacob Pulitzer, who's one of the uh, other co-founders. Uh, we were briefly involved in another effort uh, to develop uh, some standards. Uh, so we met through that. Um, we both left that venture. And uh, this was as all of this was coming together, um, as Brittany described. Um, so what I am bringing to this is a a uh, long history as a grower, but also uh, I've been doing um, agricultural auditing at the international level for uh, about 10 years. So I've done hundreds and hundreds of audits. So I'm kind of bringing that on the ground background to this uh, 
standards venture that these guys had already started. Um, so when I came in, uh, we started codifying um, a lot of the processes, um, finalizing what the actual document that growers would get um, as they go through the certification process. So we were just um, tying up all those loose ends and making it real. Um, so that's how I got involved. And that was uh, two and a half years ago. So time flies. <laughs> so, so- so tell me about developing these standards. I mean, I, I've read through them. They're uh, incredibly smart, uh, comprehensive. You know, they, they include a lot of really interesting policies, forward thinking policies, I think is the better word. So, so you know, sort of walk me through the process of developing these standards and, and how they've evolved since the year since you originally came up with them. Hmm. Well, um, as Brittany said, um, we wanted to use some of the the uh, standards that were already out there in a number of different areas in agriculture and sustainability. Um, so we started with what already existed and then what we we're attempting to do, and I think we've done a good job at it, is just make it cannabis specific. Um, what the standard does um, is create what we call the seven pillars of sustainable cannabis production. And those are uh, policy and implementation, um, how you uh, deal with land and your infrastructure, your cultivation practices, um, how you deal with your harvest, curing, uh, processing um, details, and then how you're tracking uh, energy, water, and waste, and how you're attempting as a part of your operation to um, decrease the use of those, or at least in the initial stages, track that. So with policy and implementation, basically what we're trying to get folks to do is document their process um, so that as assessors, we can come in and, and properly see that what folks say they're doing, they're actually doing, and there's a record of it. And we can see that on the ground when we come in and do a uh, an audit. Um, land and infrastructure, um, that deals with how um, you are how you're dealing with the land that you're growing on. Um, this applies to both those outdoor sun-grown growers up in Northern California, but it also um, applies to folks who are doing other kinds of uh, cultivation, including indoor cultivation. Uh, the cultivation practices, um, again, it's documenting, um, assessing your risks as a part of your your whole cultivation process, from seed or clone to your to your final um, product that you're um, putting into the market. Um, so that includes basically, uh, as you said, there's a lot of detail in there. Um, every step of the process, uh, assessing it, documenting it, um, and then uh, having those records in place so that we can see that when we come to the farm or the, a larger grow operation and see that those things that you say you're doing are actually being implemented. And then for energy, water, and waste, what we've done is um, enable um, growers, producers to use some of the um, uh, some of the different kinds of materials that we provide them to start learning how to track 
um, and and dial in their water use, um, track the waste um, into and through and out of their system, um, and then um, how to track energy use. And this is especially um, important as so much of the industry is still uh, inside and oriented toward um, industrial scale inside growing. And Brittany can talk a little bit about that um, as we move forward. So on your, on your website, you uh, list bottom line principles. Uh, can you describe what those are? Yeah, so our bottom line principles are really the seven pillars of sustainable cannabis production. So we have policy and implementation is one, land and infrastructure is another, cultivation practices. So that would be, you know, including your input, so thinking beyond organic, and then your energy, your water, your waste, and then harvest and processing. And, you know, you're in Canada, um, you know, you guys are on the verge of implementing an, an adult use federal policy in the U.S. You know, we've got California just went online. They have they have their own energy problems. Uh, you know, I've read the, I've read that legislation and that includes uh, some language for water conservation and, and energy use and that sort of thing. But overall, um, do you think that as these laws are implemented in both Canada and, and the U.S., that they're going far enough in addressing these principles? Um, well, I think we'll both answer that, but I'll start. Um, I mean, in short, no. I mean, as you say, uh, there's there's so many different contexts. Um, you know, uh, Canada is one. Every state in this country is dealing with it in a little bit different way. So there's no consistent um, way of addressing um, production and the values that people have around production and what those are going to be. Um, you know, in general, a lot of the things that exist so far have, in terms of compliance and production have focused on, um, you know, control of the product, traceability, security, issues around diversion, um, and not so much on the sustainability um, aspects of production. Um, some states have by default gone to you know, using organic materials um, for pesticides and things like that, but there's really no process of certifying um, like a, through a third-party certification system like we have. Um, there's no way of certifying any of that stuff. So people are scrambling to figure out how to do this in a consistent way. And one of the things that we provide is that consistent way of assessing this in a very broad, comprehensive way. Yeah, so, and in Canada, they're actually, um, on January 20th is the deadline for Canadians to um, submit their input for the regulation. So they've drawn up a consultation paper and within that consultation paper, sustainability essentially is completely overlooked. So I'm in the process right now of providing some feedback on that consultation paper. I think it's really important, um, you know, especially when we're, I mean, the cannabis industry is quite old in some regards, but it's also very new when we're considering the legalized cannabis market. And so we really have an opportunity right now um, that we you know, haven't in other industries to create a sustainable industry really from the beginning. And so 
I think it's the role of government to at least have baseline sustainability requirements in terms um, for their licensing. So if they require all of the growers to meet certain thresholds, then we're already going to be leaps and bounds above what other industries have. And so, and then you're also creating a really even playing field for all producers. And I'm not talking about overregulation, but just some basic core um, things that people can look at. For instance, one of them would be just tracking the amount of energy that's being used and then on an annual basis convert that into kilowatt hours, say per gram or per kilogram. And then we have an idea of what those baselines are in the industry. Of course, you could do the same thing for water, the same thing for waste, and then for there to be benchmarks. And I think the role of government is not to not to overregulate and that those who want to go above and beyond the sustainability the sustainability prescribed by governments is then to be looking ahead at best practices and then being celebrated for really leading the industry in terms of sustainability. Well, I want to talk to you guys about what you're seeing in these audits, what you're seeing on the ground. But before we do that, we got to take a break. This is the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm T.G. Brandfall. If you are looking for a job in the rapidly growing and highly competitive cannabis industry, Gontrepreneur.com is the place to look. Visit the Gontrepreneur job board today to browse current openings with cannabis companies throughout the United States, from entry-level bud tender positions to executive-level career opportunities. You can also create a profile and upload your resume to be discovered by cannabis recruiters. Visit our job board at jobs.gontrepreneur.com to create your profile today. If you are a business owner, you can post your job openings for as little as $25 on our job board to reach the largest and most engaged audience of cannabis professionals on the web. Companies who are listed in the Gontrepreneur Business Directory are eligible for free job listings. If you are already signed up, contact us today via the website or send us an email at grow at gontrepreneur.com to activate your unique coupon. Hey, welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm TG Brandfall here with Brian Farmer, co-founder and director of auditing and certification, and Brittany Anderson, co-founder and director of operations uh, for the Cannabis Conservancy. Um, so before the break, we were talking about you know what you guys want to see in terms of regulations, where you think they should be. Um, but So what are you guys seeing on the ground when you do these audits in terms of sustainability among current operators? Well... By and large, we've really started launching this standard uh, in California um, with uh, sun-grown outdoor growers, um, mostly in the in the Triangle. Um, so the level of sustainability that they by default have is is quite high. Often uh, they're sun-grown, so the the whole energy issue in terms of our standard, um, you know, they're they're much further ahead than somebody who's growing uh, indoors. Many of the growers are already doing very uh, progressive regenerative practices, companion planting, um, really going far beyond what most people um, are, you know, the, the, the stereotype of what people have. Um, I'm 
usually impressed um, with a lot of the practices. Um, what uh, we've had to really work with growers on is um, documenting what they're doing, because in practice, most of them are doing many of the things um, that we would like to see them do. Um, what they're not doing is um, putting it together in a way that is easy for us to assess. So the first uh, year we've been working with growers on doing that and they've made fantastic progress. And what they've discovered is they can be even more sustainable than they are by um, putting this together and really understanding how they're using what they're using as a part of their process. And they've been able to really dial in a lot of things and bottom line, um, make a more efficient system for themselves and ultimately make more money um, because they have a much more consistent uh, product, but they also have a handle on how they're using their resources. So um, that is one end of the spectrum um, for the our initial uh, certified growers, uh, but we're also really reaching out into other areas um, with different kinds of growers. Um, we particularly want to address uh, the inside growers, and Brittany can speak to that a bit. Yeah, so um, I think one of the things also just to point out is that the growers that have signed up and have gone through the certification process as um, a, a certification in the cannabis industry is a new thing. The growers that are choosing to become certified already have a deep commitment to sustainability. When we look at it, uh, certification in the agricultural sector, people are having to get certified. Otherwise, they have nowhere to sell their product. We're in the cannabis industry right now. Currently, those that are getting certified, it's really because they're leaders and how we see the market moving is that, you know, the people that are leaders are getting certified now, but in the future, the demand for certified product is going to be so high that people that maybe don't have a sort of intrinsic drive for sustainable production will be looking at it simply from a business perspective. But, you know, when we talk about sustainability in the cannabis industry, um, you know, we've heard numbers quoted, you know, by Evan Mills, but and you know, and how much energy, for instance, is being used in the cannabis industry. But what I really want to people to realize is that um, the sustainability of cannabis operations they exist on a spectrum. So not all cannabis uh, cultivation facilities are created equal. You know, at one end of the spectrum, we have an outdoor facility that relies completely on sun energy to fulfill the life cycle of its plants. Um, there's no power draw from the grid during um, cultivation, and you know it's really just relying on the sun's energy. So with this, there's you know in terms of sustainability from a energy perspective, it's a very sustainable model. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we can find um, facilities that are cultivating cannabis exclusively indoors and in a poorly designed facility, they're using inefficient equipment, there's no scheduling optimization, and in some cases, power from coal. So this type of facility is using a lot of energy and it's contributing directly to climate change. So when we're talking about the sustainability of the can, you know, of cannabis production, it's, it's not all created equal. And what we want to do is really highlight and celebrate the growers that are, you know, that have made a commitment to 
uh, to cultivate cultivate sustainably. And that's to say there are indoor growers that are doing great things as well. You know, they're looking at different technologies. They're using scheduling optimization. They're um, ensuring that their power sources are renewable. So I think it's really important that when we are considering sustainability, that we want to move the entire industry forward and we want to make these incremental steps so that, you know, we're not contributing to climate change in terms of energy, that we're not drawing, um, you know, drawing water out of our aquifers at an unsustainable rate, that, you know, the material that's produced on site that's not being sold, that it's then, you know, maybe being composted or used in, in other, for other methods. So I think that we really want to, um, there's a lot of great things that are happening and we want to celebrate those and try to encourage other people to adopt the sustainable policies. So I want to I want to get into uh, some of the more interesting aspects of of the standards uh, that you guys have. Uh, but before we do that, we got to take our last break. This is Entrepreneur.com podcast with TG Brandfall. At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of canna bias, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com Business Service Directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today. Hey, welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm TG Brandfall here with Brian Farmer, co-founder and director of auditing and certification services, and Brittany Anderson, co-founder and director of operations for the Cannabis Conservancy. Um, so I, I just want to read it. The standards are comprehensive. They're smart practices. Um, they include a source locally policy, maintaining ecosystem health from really seed to sale, uh, promotes transparency. Uh, but a couple of things I found research. The first was interesting. The first was research uh, that you guys include uh, this this aspect in your standards. Um, what research are TCC certified operators working on or what have they worked on and and what research are you guys interested in certified farms performing? So 
And I mean, our growers are conducting, you know, on the ground research all the time, you know, experimenting with different genetics, you looking at different um, like pest management systems, experimenting with how to build nutrients in the soil, different, you know, on-site nutrient building, compost teas. And so I think there's just as a farmer, there's a lot of sort of experimentation and research that's going on on a continual basis. And then the Cannabis Conservancy, we've been involved. Uh, One of our pillars is education. And so what we want to do is when we're when we're looking at information that's available, there's definitely a paucity of data in in terms of cannabis. And so we were contracted from the Colorado Energy Office to do a study, and we looked at patterns of energy and water consumption in the cannabis industry in that state. And part of that included interval energy metering um, of three different facilities. One was an indoor facility, one was a greenhouse facility, and one was an outdoor cultivation um, operation. And so unfortunately, that study has not been released yet. So we're not able to go into details, but it should be released shortly. And we're really excited about the contribution that it's going to make. Um, and I think that it it will help to establish a baseline for some of the things that we're talking about. Um, you know, because of the past, because of how cannabis is dealt with um, in the past, there hasn't been a lot of scientific research. And so that's an area we think that's really critically important. I am excited in Canada with the regulations, they're going to be proposing that um, anybody can apply for a scientific research license. So I think a lot of wonderful things are going to happen through that. And, um, you know, growers are constantly experimenting. A lot of the time, that information, you know, it's held quite close to the chest. A lot of people consider that proprietary. And so, but just trying to share information in terms of best practices, I think is important as we're looking at specifically at the sustainability um, like from a sustainability perspective. So if, you know, you found a way within your system, um, something that's really effective through your IPM, you know, it would be great um, in some ways to be able to share that with people. And there are growers that are doing, you know, that have a platform and are sharing that information with people. And with our growers, we'll, we'll have discussions like a round table discussions and we can bring them together. And that's when they're sort of able to ask each other questions and share some of the successes or some of the challenges that they've had and then really grow together and try to support each other with, uh, with those endeavors and, you know, just try to make their own, their own facilities as the best they can be and to, you know, bring each other up um, within that process. It's really great to see that type of community mentality. And, and the other thing that's in uh, your standards, which I think is super cool, um, is the biodiversity issues in the cannabis space, specifically the issues related to the wild pollinators. Um, I've been covering this industry for about five years, and I've never heard anyone talk about bees, never heard anyone talk about wild pollinators. And as we know, they're, they're crucial, absolutely crucial to the ecosystem. Um, so... Tell me how t- t- tell us how can operators build a bee friendly cannabis? Well, as you said, we have uh, very specific kinds of practices that growers can do um, in their operation to encourage and support uh, wild pollinators uh, and you know also uh, 
domesticated bees if they want to do that, but particularly wild pollinators, especially in the areas where people are doing outdoor sun grown. Um, so we have specific practices. We require that um, 6% of the land um, is um, vested in uh, bee attractive flowers, uh, perennials, berries, ground covers, you know, mustard, vetch, any kinds of things that are bee uh, attractants, uh, could be fruit trees, um, that they have insectary gardens. So those are attractant plants specific to um, different kinds of pollinators. Um, and uh, we, we have other criteria that requires them to be very conscious of um, their spraying, even if they're using organic uh, approved pesticides, pyrethrin or something like that or something very benign, um, if they don't time that properly in their production cycle and they have open greenhouses, um, they could um, you know, potentially affect those bees um, with that material. Even though it's benign within an organic system, it could affect them. So those are just a couple of the things. Uh, there's other kinds of practices that we encourage. Um, but we believe that making this as robust as possible and, again, highlighting and encouraging and uh, celebrating those growers that are doing um, all of these practices is really important. And that they can take those practices through the certification to the marketplace with a certified product. And how can, you know, when you said earlier, you know, that ultimately you know, the, the process allows people to, you know, maybe make more money. How can businesses leverage the certification in a marketing sense or in a absolute sense to consumers? So consumers, we've seen a growing trend in the demand for third-party certified products and, you know, specifically in the food industry. So, you know, when we're looking at coffee and cocoa and vegetables, sustainable seafood, you know, consumers want to purchase products that are in direct alignment with their values. And we believe that the cannabis industry is going to be no different. So for those people that are already shopping at Whole Foods, shopping at their farmer's market, you know, spending a little bit more money on their organic fair trade products, that when they're going into a dispensary, they're also going to be looking for products that are in alignment with their values. And so with TCC certified products, it's not only assured to be free from pesticides, which we know is a major concern for people. And, you know, we've seen that there's been issues with pesticides, um, you know, in, within the industry. And it's also looking at ways to mitigate their energy use, reduce their water consumption, reduce the waste, and really like in cases rebuilding the soil. And so when a consumer wants to purchase their product, now we're looking, we're also seeing in the cannabis industry right now, there's a lot of greenwashing that's happening. You know, a lot of brands are using um, words or phrases that indicate that they are sustainably cultivating their products or they're organic, but without third-party certification, there's no assurance that what the growers are saying they're doing is actually what they're doing. And, you know, we've seen that, we've seen that throughout different industries and it is really of, of concern because it not only hurts, um, 
the consumers that might be, you know, they, they think they're purchasing a product that they're not, but it also is really, it hurts our environment in the end. And so we really see that consumers that when they're going into the cannabis dispensaries, they're going to be looking for products that are in alignment with our values and our certification um, provides that for those growers. And so our producers are able to sell their products for a premium to these dispensaries. The dispensaries are also assured that these products have gone through diligent testing. They so and there's a whole system in place that can track the batches back to the grower. So if there's ever any question, then we are able to do a recall on that product. So I think that so it's good for the consumer, it's good for the the dispensaries and it's also really good for the grower because when you're implementing these practices, you're minimizing your risk and you're also decreasing your resource use. So in the end you're actually spending less money to produce that product so your margins are are larger. And and describe to, you know, the the producers listening, the cultivators what that certification process looks like. Okay. Uh, in a nutshell, um, we've designed it so um, there's a, uh, a self-assessment piece up front. So if you're interested in and in going through the certification process with us, you contact us. Um, we get you set up. Um, we get some basic information on your, your production system, you know, what you're doing. Um, what, what the style is, are you outdoor, are you indoor, the size of your facility, are your production, um, because our, our pricing is based on uh, production size. Um, once you, we figured all those details out, um, the producer gets a self-assessment, um, which is a tool that they can use, um, which is basically our standard, but it's, it's laid out in a way where they are asked questions and they can answer those questions um, that relate to their production system. Once they go through that, um, they can, they get that back to us. We go through that um, and look at the areas where the grower is um, in alignment with what we're doing and can provide documentation to, to prove that. Um, and then there may be areas uh, where they are doing something but don't have documentation. In other words, it's a whole process of kind of critiquing what you're doing and seeing how it's in alignment with what um, we're asking growers to do. Once you've done that, um, or we can also come in and do that for growers, um, and we have done that, and that's a different kind of process, but basically we're trying to get the same information. Once you've done that assess that initial assessment, uh, what we come up with is kind of a correction uh, action list. Um, and this is just a list of the things that the grower is going to need to do to um, get in alignment with what we're asking as a part of the standard. Once they have done um, a portion of that or all of it, if they can do it, um, we then do an on-site uh, audit. Uh, we do a site visit um, to the facility or the outdoor grow, whatever it is, and we go through that whole uh, standard, um, see if they're doing what they say they're doing um, in terms of their self-assessment. Um, if we find it uh, any other kinds of things that they're doing that they need to correct. Um, they get another to-do list. 
once they've done that um, and we can sign off on all that information or practices, um, then they are able to be certified. Uh, but it is, um, as you said, Tim, it's quite a detailed, comprehensive standard, and um, you really have to make a commitment um, to to work fully through a process. And that's what we tell growers, too. This is a very new kind of process for a lot of folks who've been not keeping records and um, trying to fly under the radar sometimes. Uh, this is the flip side of that. This is documenting everything and flying above the radar because you want to show how uh, how great your operation is based on doing all of these things. So, uh, so once a grower becomes certified, um, they get an individual um, QR code, which is also their certification mark, and that can go on their products. Uh, the cool thing about that is you can scan that QR code and it takes the consumer to um, a page on our website called MyGrow. And each grower can set up their own page, which details uh, in as much uh, detail as, as the grower wants their complete operation. They can include pictures, um, details about all of their cultivation techniques, their philosophies, um, whatever they want to include there. So it's a direct connection from the uh, consumer at that consumer level to the grower. So that traceability piece we really wanted to include because it's it's giving a chance for especially uh, smaller growers to tell their story. And what is, in your opinion, the biggest challenge for cultivators uh, to comply with the certifications, to, to operate with these best practices in mind? And what's your advice for, for those operators? Um, I think, well, as I already mentioned, a lot of folks, the initial um, group of, of growers that we're working with, uh, in practice, are doing a lot of the things because uh, that we um, have in our standard because they are outdoor sun-grown operations. Um, by and large, what we've seen are um, a need to really improve the, the record keeping so that an assurer like us can come in and, and look at that operation kind of through the, the record keeping lens. Um, so that's been a struggle for some folks, but um, the folks that have really made a commitment have hugely improved their record keeping um, to their own amazement sometimes and to our delight. Um, so I would say that and um, typically some infrastructure improvements that are going to bring things like um, a trim uh, operation or an area where people are doing trimming um, or drying, those kinds of things. So uh, typically some infrastructure improvements, um, but it's very dependent on, on, the, um, on the farm. Um, it's all over the map. Some people are right there and pretty much have that stuff together. Other folks have some work to do, but um, they, uh, you know, what we've seen is a, is a, is a good degree of uh, commitment to make all that work. But it's, a, as I say, it's a process. It's not just a checklist that you, we come in and do. It really is working with us um, through this whole certification process to 
incrementally improve even once you're certified. So each year we're asking folks to step up their game as a part of the certification. And, and what about Brittany from a, you know, as, as you guys in Canada are, are launching this federally, I mean, I mean, this is huge. What are some of the challenges uh, that, that you're sort of seeing right now in terms of uh, businesses getting involved from a conservation side? Yeah, absolutely. So right now the regulations haven't been written, so we don't know um, exactly what the government is going to require in terms of licensing. Um, But we are seeing when the licensed producers were first granted their licenses in Canada, we were seeing a lot of indoor, um, indoor facilities. And now as um, things have matured and grown, we're seeing a lot more greenhouse facilities. And so I think when, um, you know, as, as the as the industry tend, is going to mature, we're going to see a lot more people looking to, directly towards the sun, you know, and all of its glorious power and really tapping into that natural, renewable, carbon neutral, abundant resource. And so I think that that's going to be one of the key things in terms of energy. And I also hope to see not just um, large growers. I was listening to the radio this morning and they were proposing a $100 million facility here in southern British Columbia for cannabis cultivation. And so, you know, that's wonderful, but, you know, that's going to bring a lot of jobs to the area. But we're hoping that we're going to be also seeing the small growers. You know, a lot of the small growers, they've, they're the reason why legalization on a recreational level is about to happen. And so we want to see that small growers are going to be incorporated in this model and the government has proposed there to be micro licenses. And so we really want to support those growers that are more, you know, that they're in rural areas and they have a small, you know, they're going to be just dedicating a part of that property to cannabis cultivation, you know, and it's potentially part of a larger agricultural system that they have on that property. And, you know, that's really when we're going to be able to, see those regenerative practices and people really taking time to build their soil and increase their nutrients. And I think that that's going to be a really beautiful um, part that comes out of legalization is the space for the small growers to really legally flourish. And then, of course, you know, there's going to be large growers that flourish as well. But as long as people are continuing to keep the environment in mind and that that's a requirement and that those that are wanting to go above and beyond, they seek that third party assurance and consumers continue to demand it. I think that, you know, it's a really exciting time for us and um, I'm looking forward to all the changes that are going to be happening here shortly. Well, I, I, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to, to come on the show. I, I think this is really eye opening, maybe for not as many people as I might think, but, but for me, you know, to, to hear this issue discussed and, and to hear, you know, that people are concerned about this, uh, is very heartening, uh, for me, you know, somebody who, who does care a whole lot about pollinators and, and the overall ecosystem that, um, you know, it, it does worry me from, from time to time. You know, I, I think about the proliferation of the industry and, and that's one of the first thing that, that comes to mind. I'm like, well, what are we going to do about this energy problem? You know, California is in a drought and uh, they're rolling it out there. So, so I want to commend you for uh, taking the time and the effort and, I, you know, just looking at the process. You can tell you a lot of work went into this, a lot of thoughtfulness went into this. Um, and so, so, so thank you for 
being on the show and uh, developing this this really great system. Yes, our pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having us. Where can uh, people go to find out more about the TCC? So, of course, we have a website, which is www.cannabisconservancy.com. And we are all over social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and there's all of those links to our website. And we you know, encourage you to to give us a call or to send us an email. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And yeah, we just want to be able to support this industry, um, go and continue to go in a more sustainable direction. Yep. We are going to be at some events coming up. So if you have some listeners that are uh, at any of this events, uh, we'll be there either speaking or, or, or present. We'll be at Indo Expo in, in Denver. Uh, Jacob's going to be there. We'll be at the NCIA Seed to Sale Show in Denver um, and a number of different events. I'm hoping to make it up to the Vermont Cannabis and Hemp Convention in May. Uh, so uh, I might be up in Vermont there as well. But um, we're, I think we'll put our, our entire list of uh, appearances up on the website so people can see that. Well, if, if, if you make it to Vermont, I'll definitely see you in in uh, in May uh, again. I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Uh, you know, I wish we had more time to really uh, sink our teeth into this a little bit more. Um, but you know, th- thanks again. I appreciate it. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault. Oh,